This picture reminds me of a couple of things. Uh, to begin, it reminds me of uh, my period of youth on the farm-to-market road that uh, my, this is not it, by the way, but uh, <laughs> I think that's in Hawaii. So that's a whole different uh, matter. But the farm-to-market road that uh, my parents uh, bought property on many, many years ago and chose to build a house on uh, had us situated about a mile outside of the city limits, and we uh, were, it was uh, uphill to get to uh, the place where I grew up. And I remember riding a bike back in my day. The kids rode bicycles on highways. It's probably not a very good idea today and wouldn't recommend it. But back in my younger years, growing up in the country, it was okay to ride your bicycle on the highway, and I remember that hill very well because it was tough to get up that hill, and as you can tell, we're having some computer problems. <clears throat> it was tough to get up that hill, but if you were going the other way, it was fun to just coast down the hill, to just get up to speed and just let it go and just coast down the hill. So I have very fond memories of that aspect of my childhood. But there's another aspect of this picture that, uh, you know, maybe the way we think about life is not so much attractive or as attractive. When we think about the older years of life, we might take from this picture, it's all downhill from here. And that's just kind of the perspective that, that we end up with when you top the hill in life you know it's just downhill and I want to challenge that tonight as Caleb talked about the influence of those those who were in the older older years of their life this morning and did a very fine job of encouraging from that perspective I want to come at this from a different angle and really preach a message about a subject and two an area or category of life that, quite frankly, as a preacher, I've just steered clear of. I, I don't know that I've heard very many lessons about the golden years of life. And a message that addresses the needs of our family, the whole of our family as a congregation, that especially deals with that period of time, and I'm not talking about people tonight. I want you to think about this from the perspective of life periods. Because while we may have people in this congregation tonight who are in the golden years of their life, if you live long enough, you're going to pass through that period of time too. And so this is a message that's about a period of life more than it is about the people in a congregation, but it certainly applies to those of us who are in that period of life. And I'll just steer clear of assigning any ages to the golden years. You might say if you have trouble seeing this slideshow tonight, that would be a pretty good indication because I have, I've had a little bit of trouble seeing what, what I'm putting up there. But the golden years of life are probably the most neglected subject in sermons and in lessons and in studies. And I wonder why. Why do we not like to talk about 
the end of life? There, there's, there's some pretty obvious answers to that. You know, some might think it's kind of morbid to talk about death and the finality of life. Uh, maybe you just think it's personal to talk about it. Maybe we don't talk about it because we never talk about it the way that we ought to talk about it from a biblical perspective. And I'm going to go with that tonight and try to talk about this subject from a biblical perspective because I fear we're doing ourselves a disservice as a church family in avoiding this this subject, this particular subject. And so there, there must be a biblical message that addresses Christianity in the golden years of life, and I believe that there is, and I believe it can be developed from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And so I'm entitling this sermon tonight, When You Top the Hill, Finish Strong. It's not, it's not about coasting down. It's not about it's all downhill from here. It's really about finishing strong. And Paul makes three points in this passage that I believe at least in principle apply to the very subject that we're talking about. When, when we are advanced in age, when we are passing through that golden years period of life, especially as Christians, it's still important for us to finish strong. And so let's study that together uh, in the time that we have. Here's the first point of observation. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. In fact, let's just read the whole thing and then we'll refer back to it as we go through. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Paul says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who love uh, his appearing, or who have loved his appearing. So here's the first point of observation. When you think about finishing strong, verse 6 says this, life is a sacrificial element to be poured out, not to be gathered up. Life is a sacrificial element to be poured out, not to be gathered up. Paul knew that his life was coming to an end. He had some insight that you and I uh, don't necessarily have today. If you think back to Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 22, uh, he was told about his journey to Jerusalem that uh, chains and tribulations awaited him there. Paul could see the end of his life on the horizon. But at verse 24 in that passage, you might recall, we looked at this recently, he said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He knew he knew his life was coming to a close. Paul had topped the hill, so to speak. There are different estimates about his age at this time, maybe somewhere in his 60s. Not old as we would think about, 
perhaps today, but Paul, from the perspective that the Holy Spirit had given him, could see. As he topped the hill, he could see the end, or he could see the bottom of it on the horizon. And today, because we happen to be in that period of life, many of us have topped the hill. It's, it's, it's no secret. And if we're not there yet, we will get to that point where life is not so much about building up anymore. It's leveled off or we've started coming down the other side. You think about a young couple, you know, bringing children into the world. We're thinking about life as building up. But there's a transition that takes place. And, And I hope this is not a revelation to us tonight. We know this. We realize that life is not always about advancing and collecting and gathering. Paul describes it here as really an element of sacrifice that's being poured out. And not in a wasteful way, but in the service to God. And it would do us a world of good to think about life that way. And even when we're older and we're in the golden years of life, we're still pouring out a sacrificial offering to God through the lives that we live. The psalmist said in Psalm 90 and verse 10, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Life by its very nature comes to an end. And we avoid that subject. We don't like to talk about it. But there's encouragement, I believe, from the Bible to be had and to be enjoyed in thinking about this from a biblical perspective. Paul says that his life is being poured out as a sacrifice. All of our lives are being poured out as a sacrifice to something, to someone. It may be self. It should be God. You know, I think about people that have come through this congregation, really were here when I got here, in just the 12 or so years that I have been a member here, who who have lived in that period of time and whose life is a demonstration of that pouring out of a sacrificial offering to God. I think about people like Willa Dean Hecker. I think about people like Ralph Beal, Margaret Schaefer, people who have passed through this period of time that we are talking about, but who did it gracefully as though their life were being poured out as a drink offering in their service to God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17 records where Paul made a similar statement. He says, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. You know, Caleb talked about the influence of the older in the lives of the younger. That's pouring out of a drink offering, so to speak, in service to God for the benefit of those who are coming up in the ranks of Christianity and the church. I'm not there yet, I don't think. But I hope that as I pass through that period of time that my life 
that I view it, that I don't look at it from the perspective of it's all downhill from here, but from the perspective of I still have opportunity and there is liquid in my vessel to pour out as a sacrifice to the service of God for the benefit of the church and the younger generations. He says also in this verse, my departure is at hand. And I, really, I, all of us, for all of us, and we don't know, we can't put a time step on it, but just if the natural course of life unfolds for each of us and nothing uncertain abruptly takes our life before the time expected, all of our lives are at hand, relatively speaking. And Paul recognized that and he said that. The time of my, he doesn't say end, he doesn't say the time of my demise, the time of my finality. He says the time of my departure. You know, sometimes we sit in airplane terminals, at least used to, you could sit with your family at the gate until it was time to board the plane. You can't do that so much anymore. You might stand at the security line and visit a little bit, but you can't sit at the terminal and wait for your family to go to board the plane. That was something we enjoyed before. We don't anymore. But I think about the precious time of sitting there with family and anticipating that departure. The time of my departure is that I'm leaving here and I'm going somewhere else. But I think more so about a period of time when I was in the military and stationed overseas and had done my tour of duty, and I was standing on the flat line waiting to come home to be reunited with my family. And the joy unspeakable that I experienced on that occasion because I was leaving one place, but it wasn't a finality. It wasn't the end. It was a transition to a place for which I longed. Heaven ought to be like that for us. It ought to be the case that we see it as a departure, not as the end of everything, not as some detrimental thing that's going to happen in our lives, but a departure, a transition from one place to the next. And that's the way Paul saw it. You think about Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23, he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to abide with you is more needful. And so there were needs that he, there were things he needed to take care of and there were opportunities to fulfill, but the greater transition in his mind was to depart to be with Christ. And so Paul, I think, gives us some encouragement about finishing strong tonight. He points out that life is a sacrificial element that's being poured out. It's being poured out. It's not something that we're gathering up to try to hold on to. And so pour it out to the glory of God. The second point of observation is found in verse 7. Life is not to be prolonged. It is to be completed. Life is not to be prolonged. It is to be Completed. If you look at the verse again, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. If you think about those, those are things that have an end goal, right? I have fought the good fight. You know, when two boxers get into a ring, they don't enter that ring expecting to fight all night long. When two military armies address each other on the battlefield, they don't come at each other expecting to fight all night long. They expect to win and to put an end to that fight or that war or that battle. They see an end, and Paul uses that metaphorical language here about life. I have fought the good fight. It's the most important fight in which we could engage living life as a faithful Christian. And he says, I've fought that good fight. He sees the battle being won, the victory being attained. He sees it about to be finished for him. He wasn't just fighting to fight. He was fighting to gain the victory. And so he wasn't trying to prolong anything. He lived life in view of the battle that he would fight with the goal of completing it. Look at the second one. I've finished the race. What's the point of racing other than crossing the finish line? What's the point? I I hate to run. I can't imagine just running for running's sake with never trying to achieve a goal. I know some of you probably just love to do that. Not me. If I'm running, if I'm walking, if I'm exercising, there is a definite end to it. If it's 30 minutes, it's 30 minutes. If it's 45 minutes, it's 45. If it's three miles, it's three miles. But there's an end, or I'm not doing it. Because for me, what's the point in running if there's no finish to it? And Paul says, what's the point in living life if there's no finish to it? If there's no end goal. You remember on another occasion, if he, he said of whether or not Christ has been resurrected. He said, for if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. If there's no hope, if there's no goal for which we are seeking, what's the point? And so Paul says here, I'm, I'm not running just to run. There's a finish line that I am trying to attain. And some of us, because of the period of life that we are in, just according to the natural course of things, may be closer to that finish line than others. And again, I'm not trying to be presumptuous tonight because none of us know how long we have on this earth. I'm just speaking about the natural course of the way life unfolds. And the point that I'm trying to make here is it's not all downhill from here. It's still about fighting the good fight. It's still about finishing the race because there's a finish line. And I mentioned people a moment ago who kept in the race, who made it to the finish line. And so that's something that we all ought to be striving to do. And then the third one, I've kept the faith. I want to be able to say that in the golden years of my life. When I'm advanced in age, I want to be able to look back and say I've kept 
the faith. And as Paul says this in the backdrop of him saying that is verses 1 through 5. Look at those verses. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who would judge the living and the dead that is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers. And they shall turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. There are people in this congregation tonight, I am quite certain, who have been Christians for 50 years, maybe more. And they have watched people do the very thing Paul described in the first five verses. They've turned their ears away from truth and they've been turned to fables. But these Christians have watched that and it hasn't shattered their faith. It hasn't shaken them to the point that they quit and they give up. And I'm encouraged tonight when I look around and I see Christians who are older in age who are still here, who are still fighting the fight, who are still in the race, who are still keeping the faith. Paul looked at his life and said these same things because he viewed life as not something that is to be prolonged. There's a finish line that we're trying to attain. And while I'm not talking to young parents and parents of young children tonight, it just seems fitting to say this now. Don't wait until you're 60, 70 years old to be viewing life as something that has a finish line. You need to be thinking that way right now and teaching your children that life has a finish line that we're trying to attain and be encouraged by the influence of those in this congregation who are older than you who are still trying to reach that finish line, who are still keeping the faith, who still fought the good fight. I'll tell you what that does for me. If I get in a situation as a Christian where my faith is shaken and I'm wondering if it's even worth it, I'm glad I can look around and see people who have been at it a lot longer than I have whose life says, yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because that encourages me to keep looking for that finish line, to keep running the race, to fight this fight to the end, and to finish and keep the faith. There's a lot about life that becomes insignificant the older you get. There are a lot of things that were seemed important to me as a younger person that just have kind of lost their significance over the years. I think stuff has lost a lot of its significance. Things have lost a lot of significance. The older you get, the more you realize. It's not so much about this life, because when you're young and you're vibrant, you know, you think it's about, this is what it's all about. When you start getting older, your body starts getting weaker. 
You can't do as much as you used, used to could. Good East Texas terminology there. You realize there are just some things that aren't that important. It would do us a world of good to get that point a lot earlier in life. But I'm encouraged by those who know that, who see it, and who live life with that view. And my encouragement, at least at this point tonight, for those who are in the golden years of their life, is to remember that life is not to be prolonged. And I hope somebody says this to me in the later years of my life and reminds me that life's not about prolonging it. It's about completing it and finishing strong. The third point of observation is found in verse 8. And here Paul says, in effect, that life leads to the crown. It is not lived with the crown. Life leads to the crown. We don't live it with the crown. If you look at verse 8 again, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me in that day and not to me only, but also to all those that loved his appearing. Finally, you know how we use that word. <clears throat> Sometimes preachers going long. In your mind, you might say, finally, when you hear the invitation begin. Finally, we use it as an exclamation. Here, Paul is marking a degree of finality, the conclusion. And so when you live life and you live it from the perspective that it's a sacrificial element that you're pouring out in your service to God, when you live life as something that is to be completed, Paul says here, finally. In other words, I'm approaching that point for which I was striving. Finally. Finally what, Paul? Well, the crown of righteousness. My translation says laid up, but the idea there is reserved. It's reserved. I like that word reserved. I like going to the movie today because you can get online and you can reserve seats. Not like in the old days where if there were three or four of you, you had to look for three or four seats that were together and that might put you on the front row depending on how full it was. But now you can reserve your seats. And when you walk in the theater, you can look at your ticket stub and you can go right to those seats and nobody will be sitting in them. If they are, they have to move because it was reserved for you. And so there's a crown of righteousness of which Paul speaks that's not first come, first serve. It's reserved in heaven, he says. And notice who gives this crown. It is a crown of righteousness that the righteous judge gives. I like to watch the medal ceremonies on television sometimes when a president will give or award a medal of distinguished service to someone, whether that be a military person or a civilian, the greatest of which, the 
Congressional Medal of Honor. I love to watch those ceremonies and to see the, the highest position in our land recognizing and giving a reward or an award to someone who, is, who has earned that. But I can think of nothing no, any greater than God giving a crown that has been reserved for us. An individual crown, not one we have to wear together, but metaphorically at least, individual recognition for the way that we've lived our lives in his service. And so the righteous judge, the one who knows righteousness, the one who knows what we've done and seeks to honor us because of our service to him, he's going to give it on that day, Paul says. On that day, there's a day, a, a, an award day, where the righteous are recognized. And it's not immediate when we pass from this life. We know our Bibles. We know about the temporary dwelling place of disembodied spirits that await that day. But that day will come. Some were worried about that. They thought the dead were going to miss that day. But Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as, uh, as others who have no hope. And Paul goes on to say, the dead aren't going to miss it. The righteous will be rewarded for their righteousness and receive that crown of life, regardless of what state of life they happen to be in at the time. <clears throat> Three points of observation that I think I think, at least, you might say after this is over, I didn't get it. And that's okay. But at least in my mind, it seems that Paul offers these three points of encouragement to reminder about life when we get into the golden years of our life that I think will help us and remind us to finish strong. I'm not excited about the fact that death is closer for any of us. As I already said, we don't even know that really but I do believe that if we're afraid to talk about it we miss an opportunity we miss an opportunity to speak very positively about the later years of our life and we're not truly strengthening our family in love if we ignore a whole block of life and we don't talk about it and so I don't want to be guilty of that. The message tonight can be boiled down to this for all of us. When we top the hill, make sure we finish strong. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you need to obey the gospel. You need to hear it and believe it. You need to repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, to be baptized in water, to have your sins washed away. If you are a Christian, and if you're living life in a way that is opposite of what we've talked about tonight, you need to repent. You need to change the way you view life and you're living it. For those who are older, thank you for your service to Christ Jesus. Thank you for your influence for those who are younger. And thank you for not quitting. Thank you for living life 
and striving to finish it strong. If you're here tonight and you need to respond to the invitation for any reason or in any way, we encourage you to come as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this recorded audio of a sermon that was preached at the Roanoke Church of Christ. If you'd like to visit us, you can do so at 608 Dallas Drive, Roanoke, Texas, 76262, or you can visit our website at roanokechurchofchrist.org. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.